So, I've been suddenly absorbed in Killing Eve. Ah, there we go. I kept reading reviews of it saying how good it was, and I just didn't, you know, I thought, oh, I don't want to watch that. And um, then I got hooked on it. And what a predicament she was in at the end of series one and beginning of series two as, um, as the assassin is on her trail. We're looking at Psalm 57, an assassin is on the trail of David. David's hiding in a cave from an assassin who's after him. Just happens to be the king and all his armies. All his armies. Oh, come on, guys. (laughs) And all his armies. And so King Saul is after David to kill him. He's, he's got, a, got it in his head all wrong about David and, and he's lost his anointing and he's lost his relationship with God, but he is pursuing David, the anointed one, who has been anointed king for the future of the nation. <clears throat> he's already... Uh, knows that God has said to him he will be king of the nation. And yet here he is in this cave with someone determined to kill him, chasing him, trying to find him and deal with him in a very, very permanent way. might put your difficulties into perspective, mightn't it? You know, great stories about welly boots and how God thinks about the little things for us as well as the big things. And welly boots in the middle of a muddy field are very important things. But David's being chased for his life. And he's in this cave... And we're going to learn some lessons from how he responds to the situation in the cave in this summer of Psalms. So we're going to read Psalm 57 again, okay? Hope you don't mind that, because I want to do it. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. All the storms of destruction pass by, or till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. 
Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way. But they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my whole being. Awake, my soul is the traditional uh, translation of that. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Well, it's a wonderful psalm, isn't it? Let's pray. Lord, will you teach us today from this psalm more of the wonder of your faithful love and your plans and purposes for us in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a sort of lyrical beauty to this psalm, isn't there? It's, it's, it's poetic. It has this, um, is it chiasmic or chiasmic? Something like that. Format, chi. Chi, yes, chiasmic. And, um, yeah, so it's, it starts with him demonstrating to us that David knows his situation and David knows God knows and yet he's still speaks out wonderful things. The overriding theme of this psalm is confidence in God's purposes. And so I've got several points today, so we're going to whip through them quickly. Okay, ready? Good. First point is, verses 1 to 3, David knows he's in the shadow of God's wings. He's in the shadow of God's wings. Of course, the picture is of the hen, you know, covering her chicks when there's danger around. Well, David feels that he is in a dangerous situation and uh, he's in a very difficult place. He's got his back to the wall, literally, and he is really in a tough place. His life is threatened. And uh, we have all sorts of difficulties in our lives, don't we? And they range from not having, you know, waterproof wellies through to life-threatening situations. But we have our God and we know our Lord and our God loves us and has plans and purposes for us, whatever. And so David, first of all, wants to say to God, this is the situation, God. Tell it like it is. You know, never be afraid to tell the Lord how you feel. Okay? Some people seem to be afraid to say to the Lord, God, I feel terrible. Because it's not very holy, is it? It doesn't sound very holy. 
Yet David did it often. Often he would say, Lord, this is how I'm feeling at the moment. But the difference was he would immediately pick himself up. This is terrible, but. This is awful, but. And the but here is, I am hiding in the shadow of your wings. What better place could there be? He might have rocks of a cave surrounding him physically, but he knows that although he's in this cave hoping he won't be discovered, he knows that God discovered him and knows where he is. Because God has purposes for him. Tell it like it is to God. You know, many years ago I had a very difficult situation uh, and I can remember walking in our garden, shouting at God. Oh, God, why has this happened? Oh, God, why did this happen? (coughs) And you have to work through this to reach the other side. You have to say, Lord, this is how it is to me. This is what it looks like to me right now. Be honest with the Lord. Release yourself. See, this is what David was doing. He was releasing himself with honesty into the hands and power of the Almighty God. He's looking for this protection. I'll take refuge, notice, till the storms of destruction pass by. And immediately you're aware that David knows there's a future. God has spoken to him. And he knows that somehow, despite the impossibility that he sees, despite that impossibility, somehow he will get through He doesn't know how bloodied and bruised he'll be when he gets through. He doesn't know how horrendous the the interim might be. But he knows this. God has a purpose for my life that is yet to be fulfilled, so therefore I will get through. Because God will not be thwarted. He's got purposes for you. And for me. You know, when David fled from Saul, he looked after mum and dad. You often forget these people have mums and dads. And so David looked after mum and dad. He went to the king of Moab and he said, please look after mum and dad. Please take mum and dad into your household, into your place, into your nation, whilst, whilst what? This is the quote I have, 1 Samuel 22, verse 3. He said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. Till I know what God will do for me. 
He's facing this very uncertain future. He's being pursued by someone who wants to kill him, who has mighty armies behind him. And yet still he can say, God's going to do something. In this situation in which I am fixed, God is going to unfix me. God is going to produce something that will deliver me. I will be delivered. Please look after mum and dad while I wait to see what God will do. Not while I wait to see what Saul will do. Not while I wait to see what Saul's armies can do. Not while I wait to see how crushed I can be and still live. Not while, not wait and see for any of those things. Not wait and see how bad it'll get, but wait and see what God will do. I know it's tough. You know, in the situation I was in, screaming in the garden at God, I didn't know how God was going to work it out. But God did work it out. I thought it would affect the rest of Jackie and Maya's life detrimentally but God worked it out cry out to God and tell him and then say but I'm confident in you that's the bit most people miss out even if they get to the point of being honest with God about their situation and how they feel well then don't miss this step don't miss this one that David had. I am confident. I'm hiding under your wings. You will care for me. You will be faithful to me. You will send from heaven and save me. Yeah, you can say, well, he had unfulfilled prophecy in his life. But prophecy has a funny way of being in, interpreted in different uh, ways in different time periods you know it says of the prophets of old as they thought about Jesus they, they didn't quite know what they were prophesying but they knew there will come a time when not in their lifetime so prophecy is a funny thing like that there used to be a joke amongst I don't know if it's still joked amongst full time Ministers, we used to joke with one another before flying. Any unfulfilled prophecies in your life? Before I go on this plane with you, please tell me there are some unfulfilled prophecies in your life because I haven't got any. <laughs> Do you know God wants to carry on with you? He's not stopped. He hasn't drawn a line under your life. He hasn't said the end. There's more. There's more of his love for you. There's more of his joy in you. There's more of his purposes for you in the days ahead of you. And so that's verses 1 to 3. So on to verse 4. We're doing well, aren't we? Verse 4. David's assessment of the situation. See, verse 1, he's done a bit of it. Now, verse 4, he really gets into it. 
David's assessment of his situation, my soul is in the midst of lions. Ah! There are these people after his life. He's in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. Have you ever seen a fiery beast? I've never seen a fiery beast. It's a great image, isn't it? It's a great, great image of this, of Saul just driven with anger, fiery beast. He's after him. This is David's assessment of where he is. The children of man. That means men. Whose teeth are spears and arrows. Whose tongues are sharp swords. There's this Edward Lear poem, which when I was a little first year in secondary school, we did for English, and I could never, never read it publicly without falling about laughing. Uh, and I think the teacher knew this because I had to read it more than once publicly. And there's a bit in it where it goes, it's the Jabberwocky, you know this? Snicker snick, snicker snack. The sword went, snicker snick, snicker snick. And I could never say it without laughing. There was no laughing matter for David. Swords were coming for him to slice him into pieces. This is David's assessment of his position. You know, we can exaggerate our difficulties. I don't think David is exaggerating much here, actually, but he's gone very vivid and he's gone very poetic on it. Do you go vivid and poetic on your difficulties? Do they sort of grow larger in your mind as you talk about them? Fiery beasts! Just recently, I had to go to ear, nose and throat clinic at the Lister because I'd had this infected ear for weeks and weeks and weeks. And in the end, the GP sent me there. And the guy, the doctor, looked in my ear as I sat on his horrible bench. And he looked in my ear and he said to me, now, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought this doesn't sound good. He said, when I use this machine in your ear, it's going to hurt. Oh, no, it's going to hurt. In fact, he said, it's going to hurt a lot. And he went on and on about this, <laughs> how much it was going to hurt. And I sat on this bench thinking, shut up. <laughs> Where's the injection? There was no mention of injections, no mention of any pain relief. Oh, no. Just that it was going to hurt so bad that he wanted me to agree with him a stop signal that I would give when I could take it no more. This is really encouraging, isn't it? Don't you think? So encouraging. I felt so much better for his intervention in my life. And so 
off we went with this thing. And at first I thought, oh, it's not so bad. And then, oh my word, did it get painful. And I had to um, eventually, he kept stopping saying, okay, carry on, okay. He was very kind about that. But eventually I gave my stop signal and we decided I'd have to come again. Can you imagine how much I look forward to going again? <laughs> you know that in 10 days' time, this machine would be stuck down my ear again, and it would all start again. I was so looking forward to it. Dom said I should take four paracetamol before I went. No? No good? Well, I didn't anyway, so that's all right. Well, second time, it was a lot better, a lot less painful. And I, the guy didn't sit down for 10 minutes telling me how painful it was going to be. He just did it. And then they said, but I'm afraid we'll have to ask you back for a third time. So this week, just gone, I went back for a third time. And this time, there was no sucky machine at all. Hey! But you see, between session one and session two, I had 10 days of expanding thoughts about how painful session two was going to be. We can exaggerate our difficulties, can't we? I'm a good one for doing that. I exaggerate my difficulties often. And then I'm pleasantly surprised when it worked out. I was exaggerating the difficulties of putting up a shelf yesterday. And it turned out to be easier than I'd expected. Hallelujah. David's assessment, verse 4. But then he bursts into song, verse 5. Fortunately, I did not do that at ENT. He bursts into song. because he, be, Why? Because he's looking not so much to himself, but to the God who will save him. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. This is a sort of chorus, because it comes again at the end. So it's like we've had verse 1, this is the chorus. David just sings out because he knows he's got a future, God's got a purpose, not just for him, but for the whole world. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. You know, Old Testament people used to say things like this. I'm not quite sure what they were thinking of when they said it because their earth wasn't very big. Since then, we've discovered a lot more about how big the earth is and even more discoveries about how huge the universe is and how tiny the earth is by comparison. So we understand a lot more now, but they had the spiritual nous to say, God, let your glory be seen over all the earth. Put your difficulties into perspective. Sing about God's purposes. For you, yes. But David goes beyond that and goes into the purposes of God worldwide. The purposes of God for centuries. The purposes of God throughout time. This is where he's at now. So that's the chorus of the song. And then we go on verse 6. Verse 6, to God's perspective. David is prophesying here, really, from God's perspective. He's, 
He's looked at the situation from his perspective and given us some vivid imagery of dragons and fiery beasts and people with swords. And then he looks at God's perspective and God's perspective looks different. See how it, it's past tense. They set a net for my steps. It's like he's jumped forward. He's jumped over what God will do and looks back at what God has done. He's prophetically speaking now. This is what will be. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they've fallen into it themselves. Well, of course, so far they hadn't. He's in a cave with Saul pursuing him. But he sees in prophetic terms the future God will... This is what God will do for him. God will confound them in their purposes. In fact, even their traps will be turned against them by God. That's what he sees. He sees God's perspective. They have fallen. This is what God will do. It's a confident, confident statement of what God will do for him. Now, we don't all have the privilege of such prophetic understandings in our minds when we're in difficulty. We may not be at David's uh, parallel here at all, but it's good to remember that that's possible. God can give you an assurance of what he will do and how he will confound the situation and turn the situation totally around. God is good all the time. Even when you are in difficulties, when you're in your personal cave, when you are being pursued, when you feel... Life is so difficult. God is good. He doesn't change. His purposes will be achieved. His purposes for you, yes. His purposes for your community, this church, yes. His purposes for the churches around the world, yes. And his purposes for the world and its nations. All these things will be achieved and they may be achieved at different timescales and different centuries or even different months or weeks but they will be achieved you know in my lifetime I have seen and felt the fear of nuclear war starting within 24 hours in the Cuba crisis with President Kennedy and Khrushchev. I knew that fear even though I was young because my parents were certainly fearful gathered round the radio listening to every news bulletin there was, desperately hoping war would never be declared. And I remember sitting, listening, to the extraordinary events when the wall came down in Berlin.
These are huge emotional moments in my life. I remember being so terrified of Russia. And now I've been there so many times, countless times. And yet all these things are small parts of God's plan for the world. And my place in it was a little bit, a little itsy-bitsy bit. Big to me, a little itsy-bitsy bit to God. So he could just say, you, Russia. God has plans for you that will further his kingdom. Whether you're secularly employed or in full-time Christian work, doesn't make any difference. There's no difference whatsoever. He has plans for you. Be confident in the difficult times that those plans will be fulfilled. And so we come to the last big section David's confidence in verses 7 to 10. This is when he really gets going. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. This repetition. Just to make sure, you know, God knows, God hears. My heart is steadfast. My heart is fixed. My heart is sure. My heart is with you, God. I will sing and make melody. Wonderful thing, music, isn't it? Don't you think? Okay. I think, I think, I think music's wonderful. This is why, you know, when, when you have trouble with your sound system, like I had this morning, you get irritated and annoyed because it's not supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be different. And you sit down, you see, and you say to Jackie, ah, oh, science is right. She says, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, it's just sort of, your thing has gone up to here. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Music's a great thing. Got to turn over now. Okay, still with me. He starts to sing. He starts to sing truth. My heart is steadfast. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I don't recommend you do that with your trumpet or your harp and your lyre unless you live somewhere else other than Hatfield because I don't think you'll be very popular awaking the dawn. But he's ready to sing, he says. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. Can you see how his vision is so much bigger than himself? So that when he starts to sing praise to God, he's, he's not so much thinking, oh, thank you, God, you saved me, as look at the purposes of God. Aren't they amazing? Let's sing of his faithfulness. Romans 8, verse 28, famous words which come to mind. We know that for those who love God, 
all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose all things work together for good a verse that can be a stumbling block to you or a joy to you depending on your attitude to it we know that for those who love God all things work together for good how can this be rails the rationalist I don't understand it no you don't but believe it one day you'll see as I railed against the circumstances I was in to God in that garden all those years ago I had no idea how he'd work it for good but he has I couldn't have told you then how it would work out I had no idea how it would work out but it's worked out God's intervention God's purposes all things work together for good David's in a small place a cave it's very restricting they didn't have McDonald's just outside they had no facilities it stank it was dirty it was a horrendous hole to be in and on top of that people were trying to kill him does your difficulty compare to that and yet David could say God is faithful he will save me and the chorus comes again the same chorus these last three verses have often been in songs we don't tend to sing the songs that originally 25 30 years ago there were very popular songs from these verses i would give thanks to you o lord among the peoples i will sing praises to you among the nations for your steadfast love is great to the heavens your faithfulness to the clouds be exalted o god above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth great is your faithfulness o lord god my father great is your fame, uh, faithfulness Romans 8 again for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth, nor everything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.
And so this morning I want to say to you, hide in the shadow of his wings. Tell him how you feel. And then let your soul rejoice in his faithfulness. Let your soul rejoice in his love and mercy for you. Let your soul rejoice in his purposes for the nations and the world. Rejoice, O my soul. And again I say, rejoice. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. Your circumstances, your difficulties, it's in your hands now. Will you worship him? Who can lead you out and lead you into your future. Just like God led David out into his future as king. Cave to crown. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness now. Lord, enable us to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.